The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Hi, Audings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. It's a question as old as time itself. Does the soul continue on after death? We may never have a definite answer, but there are certainly stories out there that make it hard to believe that death is truly the end. First, we'll listen to an Indonesian girl's encounter with a shrouded corpse. Then, we'll try to solve the mystery of a young girl's outbursts. After that, we'll visit a school in the Philippines where a dead girl might still roam. And finally, we'll visit an Irish church where a lonely bride still remains. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. Before we get into this week's stories, I'd like to read some listener mail. This is from Y in response to the Horror Hotel episode. I'm writing to you after I listened to the Haunted Hotel episode. Regarding Megan's story at the Ripley Castle, I looked up the castle on the internet and found something interesting. I'm pretty sure Megan might have seen this as well, but I think it would be great if I could share it with you. According to this website, a lady Ashley Ingleby lost her only two children to meningitis in the 1870s and that her ghost has been seen walking towards the children's bedrooms before passing through a locked door. This might explain the lady dressed in white, the little boy, and also the lady who was watching Megan go to sleep. It is said that Lady Ingleby is still around, caring for the children. The fact that she did not do anything harmful to Megan means it might have been her. After all, she was just a sad mother who missed her children. I hope this might help a little bit, and I just find it interesting. Thank you for sharing the stories. Best, why? Thank you so much for sending in that article. It definitely lines up with what Megan told in her story. So, Megan, if you're listening, let us know what you think. If you also believe that these might have been the ghosts that you encountered at Ripley Castle. So, want to hear something scary? The Pachong. This story is based on an urban legend from Indonesia. There once was a young girl named Imelda. Every day after school, she had to attend religious classes, but the only way there was to go through a thick forest. 
Neither the sun nor the moon could shine through the densely packed trees. And since no one else in her class lived in her neighborhood, she always had to walk there and back completely alone. The first couple of times was nerve-wracking, but after a few weeks, she had grown used to the darkness and had her way home memorized. One night after class, she was headed home on her usual path, guided by her flashlight. She heard a rustling behind her, but she ignored it. She had memorized all the sounds of the forest by now and knew it was just the stray cat that liked to roam in the area. She took another couple of steps before she heard a thump. That was a new sound. She stopped walking so that she could listen for the sound again. It sounded like it was getting closer. Imelda took a deep breath. She aimed her flashlight in the distance. The light beam fell on something, but she couldn't quite make out what it was since it was so far. It looked white and, judging its size compared to the trees, tall. She continued to stare, trying to figure out what she was looking at. Then whatever it was, jumped about 40 meters closer to her. Imelda took a few steps back. How did it jump so far so quickly? Then it jumped again. It was now right in front of her, and there was no longer any doubt in Imelda's mind what she was looking at. It was a decaying corpse, wrapped in a white shroud, bound at the top of its head, its neck, and its feet. Its withered, pale green face was the only thing exposed. It had two deep holes where eyes should have been. Imelda screamed and ran in the other direction. She knew the forest well and decided to take a different path back home to try and lose this figure following her. She squeezed her small frame through a very dense section of trees and crawled through the other side to her neighborhood. She looked behind her briefly to see if it was still behind her, but she couldn't see it. When she got to her house, she ran up to her mother. Mom, something was following me in the forest. It was wrapped in white and it looked dead. Her mother had an eager look on her face. Did you hug it? Imelda stared back at her mother in complete disbelief. Why would I do that? I never want to touch that thing. I don't want to see it ever again. Imelda burst into tears. You were lucky enough to see a pachong. Her mother explained. In Muslim burials, a dead body is wrapped in a white shroud and tied at three spots, above the head, on the neck, and at the feet. After 40 days, the body is unwrapped so the soul can be freed. But if left untied, the body will look for a living person and won't stop following them until they're unwrapped. And if one is following you, her mother continued with more excitement than Imelda was comfortable with, you must hug and hold it tight so it will bestow your family with good luck and riches. Don't you want us to be rich? I don't want to touch it, mom. Something hit the door, Imelda. You have to open the door. She grabbed Imelda and held her in front of her while Imelda protested. Do this for us, sweetie. Her mom opened the door. There stood the Pachong, looking down at Imelda's tear-filled face. Her mother pushed her forward and Imelda held onto the shrouded corpse. Then her mother helped her pull the Pachong to the ground so they could untie it. They stared at the motionless corpse on the floor and wondered. Did it work? Over the next few days, Imelda's mother was the most cheerful and giddy she'd ever been. She poured herself many cocktails in premature celebration of her incoming wealth. She drank a little too much one night and was struck dead on the road. 
Imelda was devastated by the loss of her mother, but her pain was eased when she was adopted by a very wealthy family. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. And now, more Something Scary. Our next story was submitted by Nia. Before I was born, my parents wanted to name me Serena after my father's older sister. But two days before I was due, Auntie Serena was killed by a thief who broke into her house. She was discovered the next day in a pool of blood, her head completely sawed off. The bodies of her three children and husband were found in a similar state. Her newborn son, however, was missing. So my parents agreed to name me Nia instead, after my mother's twin sister. My father was still grieving the loss of his sister, so it would have hurt him too much to have his daughter share her name. Then, five years later, my younger sister was born. To honor my aunt and her family, my parents decided to name my younger sister Serena. My dad said she even resembled her, as if Aunt Serena had been reborn. So in our family, newborn babies go home with the parents before they have an official name. Then after a few days and a lot of thought, the parents decide. The few days before Serena had a name, she was a nice, quiet baby. But as soon as my parents named her, stuff started to get weird. She was screaming in the middle of the night. My parents rushed to see what was wrong, and Serena had somehow climbed out of her crib and fell to the floor. Mind you, she was merely a week old. The next morning, she was choking on the bib that she had somehow tightened around her neck. And the next day, my parents found Serena hanging upside down, her foot stuck in the window blind somehow. Things calmed down for the next few years, until she turned three. We were at the park in our neighborhood. I was taking Serena down the slide with me, when suddenly she started screaming bloody murder and pointing at a tall man sitting on a bench nearby, an eight-year-old boy sitting next to him playing on a phone. My mother came over and asked what was wrong, and Serena shook her head and whispered, It's the bad man. She refused to stay at the park any longer without screaming. We left shortly after. Another time, when Serena was about five, we were shopping at the Kroger near our house. She went to the toy aisle to get a doll, then came back looking terrified. When my dad asked about what had happened, she clung to his leg and pointed at the man walking out of the toy aisle. He was the same man from the park, and he was with his son, who must have been about ten now. Daddy, it's him, she sobbed. The man who killed us and stole my baby. We froze and looked back at the man. Then my dad gave my sister to me and walked up to the man, his expression turning from confusion to shock to anger. 
I didn't hear the exact conversation, but suddenly my father punched the man in the face and pushed the kid behind him. He turned to me and yelled, Nia, call the police right now. The rest of that day was sort of a blur. It wasn't until a few years ago when my sister gave birth to her first child when that day came to mind again. I asked my parents what had happened at that Kroger. My dad sighed and told me everything. That man? He was the man that had killed Aunt Serena. His son, the kid he was always with, was actually Aunt Serena's missing baby, our last living cousin. The man had been charged with murder and kidnapping and was sentenced to death. As soon as Serena said those words, I saw her in him, Dad told me. I saw my sister's face in that boy. I knew then. That was my nephew, the last living link to my sister. Serena, for some reason, doesn't remember any of this. She claims that she thought he always lived with us, and so does he. To this day, I wonder how she knew, and if she really has Aunt Serena's soul within her. We can now only hope that what happened to her family in her past life doesn't happen again. What a great story. Thank you so much, Nia. And I apologize if I pronounced any of these names incorrectly. These types of reincarnation stories are actually incredibly common. Even if you don't believe in reincarnation, I think we can all agree that we do share a piece of our ancestors. And maybe some people just share a larger piece. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. This next chapter comes from Jen in the Philippines about a dead girl who lives on the second floor of their school. In the Philippines, we believe that many schools have terrifying pasts. One of them is my former school. There were rumors that a little girl died in a comfort room on the second floor many years ago. Back then, I did believe in paranormal stuff, but this didn't seem real at all to me. I thought, this school can't be haunted. It's not that old. The second floor comfort room was inside a classroom that looked like an apartment unit for some reason. One day, my friends and I were talking about that little girl. Then our teacher walked in. She worked at the school ever since it opened. Hey, girls, what you talking about? She asked, smiling. Nothing, ma'am. We were just talking about the little girl that haunts the school. 
said my friend Maggie. Our teacher's face turned pale. Her smile faded. You don't know how terrifying that little girl is, she told us. Ugh, I couldn't believe this nonsense. Even our teacher was claiming this to be true. Want to know the truth? She asked us. Of course, we said yes. So this building was built after the Second World War and served as an apartment building. Many people were buried on these grounds, right underneath our school. A little girl named Sarah, age eight, moved here with her parents and lived in the first unit on the second floor. The housekeeping services came to every single unit regularly, and there was one janitor that Sarah liked to tease. He had a large tumor on the left side of his neck. Sarah teased him day by day and even poked at his tumor, but he remained professional. One night, her parents left her alone in her apartment. They said it was an urgent matter and she couldn't come with them. They told her not to open the door for anyone except for them. So later that night, Sarah heard a knock on the door. She looked in the peephole and saw the janitor and reflexively let him in. She was about to poke his tumor when she noticed the janitor was holding something. A large knife. The janitor dragged her inside the bathroom and hacked her into pieces in the sink. When her parents came back home, they found Sarah floating in her own blood. That's why the comfort room on the second floor classroom is never opened and blocked with those wooden posts, our teacher finished. There was probably a good chance that my teacher was just trying to scare us, although there was something genuine about the way she told us that story. She seemed truly scared. And I had no reason to believe she would lie. It was a good story, but even then, I still wasn't 100% convinced. Months later, I was asked by a teacher to get her bag in the second floor classroom, the room with the blocked off comfort room. I told her no problem, and I took a deep breath to go get the bag. I went upstairs and into the classroom. The teacher's desk was at the front, near the door to the comfort room. I saw the bag on the desk. I knew it was stupid to be afraid, but I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. So I hastily walked toward the desk and grabbed the bag. And as I turned to leave, I heard a creak and a thud. My heart was racing, but my curiosity got the best of me. I turned around to follow the sound. The door to the comfort room now stood wide open. Crimson liquid began to seep out from the room and into the classroom. I bolted, and as I ran out of the classroom, I slid and landed on my knees. As I tried to pick myself back up, I saw her. Sarah. She was walking towards me, and with every step, each of her limbs fell off until she was just a heap of parts on the floor. I screamed and tumbled down the stairs. The teachers heard me and rushed to help. They asked what happened, and I just sobbed and pointed up the stairs to the classroom. But when they walked upstairs and opened the door, everything was normal. No blood, no Sarah. Someone else went and got that back, and I never stepped foot in that classroom ever again. 
Thank you for submitting that story, Jen. That must have been an incredibly terrifying thing to witness. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker. You'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. And now we've reached our final chapter. This comes from Gill in Ireland. Last November, I traveled down to Kerry with my mom and aunt to visit my mother's family. I had just gotten out of a long and serious relationship, and it did not end amicably. I was ready for a change of scenery, and I thought, who knows, maybe I might meet somebody new there, someone to distract me. Anyway, I love my relatives on my mom's side, and I love visiting where she grew up. It was in a tiny village in the countryside, tucked away in the Cary Mountains, miles away from any other towns. On the start of our journey, I was jokingly asking my mom and aunt if they had any haunted spots near the village. I laughed, but my mom and aunt got very quiet. What's wrong? I asked, looking confused at their scared faces. Have you told him about the bride? The church is coming up in a couple miles, my aunt asked my mom. My mom took a deep inhale and said, no, I don't want to worry him. We'll be fine. He's not alone in the car, my aunt insisted. Uh, do you mind filling me in? I asked, starting to get slightly annoyed. My mom sighed and began to tell me this story. A long time ago, a beautiful bride was on her way to a church that nestled in between the Cary Mountains. She was so happy because that was the day she would be getting married. This was in the days before cars, so she took a horse and buggy to the church. Sadly, She never made it to say I do to her beloved fiancé. Her buggy crashed, and she was killed. The villagers wanted to make her happy by burying her at the same church that she would have been married at, as a way of partly fulfilling her wish. Little did the villagers know, this would be a bad idea. A few years after the bride's death, the church closed due to more churches being built near the villages. Years go by, and cars are now the main means of transportation, and they were needed going up and down the mountains. That was when she started appearing. Men, single men specifically, 
young and old, who were driving alone at night by that church, would suddenly have an uneasy feeling come over them. They would look behind them and see her, the bride, sitting quietly in the back seat with a big smile on her face. Some men have almost died trying not to crash their cars from the fright. From what we know, no one has. Yet. I sat there, so taken aback by this ghost that frightens single men. I paused before asking, Can we stop by the church? My mom and aunt looked at each other. Sure, my mom agreed, but let's make it quick. A few more miles down the road, we came to a small, old, abandoned church nestled in the mountains. I walked up and down the outside, but didn't feel scared, just sad. All I could think about was how lonely the spirit must have felt. I knew that feeling very well. I was quiet the rest of the way to my mom's village. You know, you should talk to your uncle, my mom said. He lives in the village and would probably know more about this story than me. After our family reunion of hugs and drinks, all my family was spread out across the kitchen. I found my uncle sitting nearby and pulled up a chair next to him. I told him all my mom told me, and he nodded quietly. He looked like he was guessing what he would tell me in response. I know that story well, my uncle told me. Your grandfather would tell us stories when we were kids. For a long time, I didn't believe in the tale until recently. A policeman in the village came back one night, all shaken up. He said how he saw the ghost bride in his back seat and was so scared he nearly crashed. And, of course, he was single. But why? Why does she scare single men? I asked again. My uncle looked around and back at me. I think she's angry. She's an angry spirit that does not want to go to the afterlife alone. So she gets into men's cars, hoping their life will end the same as hers so they can enter the afterlife together. I couldn't stop thinking about that ghost bride for the whole rest of the trip. Even after I got back home, she was still on my mind. And I haven't told my family about this or anything, but I'm thinking of visiting again, very soon. I mean, if I can't find a way to shake off this loneliness, maybe I'll pay a visit to that church again, alone. And if I'm lucky, I'll meet the ghost bride, and we won't have to be lonely anymore. The Pachong was inspired by an Indonesian urban legend. Audio for this story edited by Johnny Ashley. All other story scripts edited by Adam Sinker and Sapphire Sandalo. Music and audio editing for this podcast by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.
The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.